On this episode, Zion Williamson's foot single-handedly drops Nike stock, and we are joined by Duquesne Men's Basketball Director of Player Development, Eric Harper. Give me that green light. Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. Welcome, everybody, to episode 36 of the Green Light Podcast. It is Paul and Ian live from bed do or die. Good episode here. Uh, unfortunately, not for the correct shade of blue. We haven't uh, gotten many of these episodes this uh, year. I don't man. know. If, yeah, we, it's, it's been, uh, yeah, it's I mean, been they few lost, and far between. They lost between. to Gonzaga, uh, UNC, and who am I? Syracuse. Freaking Syracuse. Um, which will come up later for a, a much different reason uh, on today's podcast. But uh, Duke, Carolina, all anyone can talk about. Um, I, want, I will go TV off. Ratings come out yet yeah, because that had to be one of the most hyped up college games in a long time for it, a weeknight game. Like, yeah, it, like you're getting all always, the eyeballs. It always you're getting is. all the Twitter was tuned in. I will. I will go through my rant and then you can go on your rant and then we'll reconvene. Go. Um, but give you your all of the air was taken out of the building when Zion Williamson legitimately ripped through his shoe um he thank god we just got news about an hour ago that it's just a mild is it grade one they're calling grade it one grade one knee sprain. knee sprain so he's day to day so i mean but again he walked off the floor on his own weight so you knew it wasn't crazy they would have they would have done so much more if it was a if he felt uh, anything worse so he'll be okay hopefully he's back you know relatively soon um but i just need to address one that this has anything to do with Nike. Puma immediately tweeted, wouldn't have happened in our sneakers, and then deleted the tweet. <laughs> That's a horrible look. Like, it's not about the sneaker. It's about the kid and making sure that his knee's okay. Well, I, on top of that as well, DeMarcus Cousins, they asked him his media availability. They asked him the same thing, and he said, he's like, it hasn't happened to me in any Pumas. So. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> they're going to run with uh, yeah, it. Yeah, they're going to run with it, of course. They, but it's, it's just ridiculous. Um, Zion is... I don't know if you've seen what he looks like, but he's not human. So this has nothing. It would have happened in any sneaker. Uh, it has nothing to do with Nike. There's rumors that Phil Knight took a private jet to Durham to meet with him that night or the next day, whatever. Uh, all of that is overblown. Nike is completely fine. Um, it should have no it, no effect on either Zion signing with Nike or not. Whatever. Like he he's. He's a freak, man. He's yeah. a freak athlete. Like, and he he was just put so much pressure on that left to kind of turn back yeah. and try and get back to his left hand and go over his right shoulder. So one, the Nike thing is ridiculous, and two, this all these people's hot takes that college basketball is useless and it doesn't serve any purpose. It's like okay. Go then don't do it. Don't go to Duke. Don't go to Kentucky. Don't play on national television 30 times. Don't get all the best gear. Don't get all the exposure. Don't be Zion Williamson who was maybe flirting with the top 10 uh as a lottery pick coming into college and now he's the per- like it was without a doubt he's the number 1 pick because he played college basketball and because NBA scouts get to watch him. If you go play in Australia or Greece or whatever it's not the same. You get forgotten. We've seen that over and over where players go and we're like, oh, yeah, what happened to him? And then they come back and they're either successful or not. But to just – we know that there are issues with college basketball. We know that you should be paid and players should have compensation. Yes, no one is arguing that. But to say that college basketball is 
flawed because a kid got hurt. What are we talking about? No, I agree. And There's like, my and rant. We've, and that, hey, that was a, I, I applaud you because <laughs> and I and I agree with it. And obviously, from an outside from an outside source or not outside source from an outside view as someone that came in actually wanting Carolina to win to give Virginia a chance to yeah, tie the yeah, ACC yeah. standings. I though was pissed when he went down because I'm like, we're the missing game a game, we're missing that, yeah. and there's going to be an asterisk and, and everything around it. Um, I wasn't happy with. Yeah, but it is. It we've seen like when you talk about all right, should Zion sit out? Should he even be risking himself? People forget, like everyone, yeah, people knew about Zion and everyone wants to bring up, oh, we had this 100,000 view uh, game on YouTube against uh, against LaMelo Ball and he had all these dunk highlights. Like Zion Williamson wasn't even projected like a top five pick going in. Now he's the most consensus number one since like LeBron, where this guy has been, has made it because, like, because he's being coached by arguably the greatest coach in the world. He's got the probably the best brand behind him that he's building his own brand off of. And the thing is, he has a chance to win a national championship. I think someone, I don't remember where I was listening to it, they put it perfectly. If Zion Williamson didn't care about winning a national championship, he could have just gone to Clemson and been the man. Yep. And like he could have done this. The guy came to Duke with the best players. I think he cares about winning. He said, like, he, he's like, I was going to come to Duke or I was going to come to college no matter what. Like, there's things, I think there are guys that are wired, like, I don't care at all. I'm going right to the league. I'm doing that. For some guys, maybe it works. Some guys, it doesn't. DeMarcus Cousins today, too, said, um, he goes, yeah, basically God. said, like, he said, NCAA is bullshit. He goes, don't get me wrong. Uh, my year, my time in college was one of the best yeah, times of my life. It, he is- goes, it was one of some of the most fun I've had playing basketball. Yeah. But it's like, it's bullshit. He should, like, focus on his family and stuff. You see other – like Mitchell Robinson was a big-time recruit. Mm-hmm. And he's playing well in the NBA, but he took a year off and, like, wasn't even – like even on anybody's radar. Anyone's really. radar. Yeah. And so I, I get, like – if, I'm, is, if I'm a, Maybe this is my bias because I'm a college guy, but honestly, I truly believe some of the best coaches and some, like, are in college basketball. You're learning a system. You're learning. You're growing. I don't understand why – I mean, we just had what, a trainer episode a couple weeks. You just want to spend a year just working out with a trainer and doing okay. and that. And when you can Versus experience playing like, against the best, well, I don't think Zion would even if you had told if you told me right now. Maybe I'm crazy. If you told me right now, if he doesn't play the rest of the year just as precaution, that like, hey, if you turn it back and you had hindsight's twenty twenty, would you rather sit out or would you rather experience what you've experienced to this point with Duke? I think even he would still take this. Of course. Because he's of the course. most recognized, one of the most recognizable names in the sport. Of course. He's playing for, obviously we said, the best coach, the best brand. What he's done already, he's, bo- like, they seem like they, it's a great let's camaraderie. Play, let's play devil's advocate. He doesn't go to Duke and he works out, right? He doesn't go to college. He works out for an entire year. And <clears throat> he's in a drill and this happens. Yeah. And he gets a mild, uh, nothing great, doesn't tear an ACL, the exact same injury, working out, which easily could happen. Yeah. Easily could happen. What are people going to say? Oh, my God, what's he doing? Why isn't he out of college right now showcasing his skills? What's, is this a waste? Like, now you're, now you're not in college. Yeah. You don't have any. He's going to Duke Medical to get his knee looked at. Are you yeah. kidding? Yeah. Are there, there's maybe four or five better, not even maybe, maybe like it could be the best place on earth to get hurt. Yeah. No, you're right. I literally, <laughs> the funniest thing, when they had the broadcast on, they were like, oh, he hasn't gotten an MRI yet because there's not an MRI machine in the in Cameron Indoor. And I'm thinking to myself, well, there's probably one like two it's buildings down, the, yeah. like two buildings down it's, because it, it honestly, like it, it, it really is. And obviously he's getting the best medical treatments, the best staff. He He's being taken care of. Yeah. 
And I look at it this way. I mean, much more of a can't-miss prospect out of high school was Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. And obviously that was kind of like a freak, some freak injury, some back problems and stuff. But you look at a guy that slid for whatever the reasons may be, I think the main thing being injury scare, he slid all the way to the middle of the first round as what everyone thought would be a number one or at least a top three pick where didn't have college, had injury scares, what happened? Now resign is the opposite, where I think even if he doesn't play the rest of the season from here on, which I don't think that's the case, but even if he was to go on here, I think he's still the number one pick. Like, and that's the difference that college can make. Yep. Michael, and for better, for worse, but I, like he's obviously taken this step and he's become a better player because of it. And I think he's probably had a better ex- life experience and he's probably more mature and he's probably wiser, even though I think he is... A little jokester yeah, all the time. They all, they all. I think, I think what's rolling. hilarious is is this exchange between Gary Parish and Trey Young. So Gary, oh, yes. Gary, Trey Young getting in the mix was it's it's was really funny. it's. I don't know what it is. It's Gary Parish tweets. If Trey Young thinks Zion Williamson should shut it down, I wonder why Trey Young didn't also think Trey Young should shut it down. When he, like Zion, got off to a great start, established himself as the Player of the Year favorite, and solidified his status as a top five pick. Trey Young quote tweets him and responds, and responds, a player who was on no draft boards coming out of high school, laughed at for choosing to stay home for school instead of going to the Blue Bloods, someone who needed to prove a point in college that he could play in the league, can't just shut it down, it's different. Parrish responds, my point is that you certainly could have shut it down by February 21st if you wanted, because by then you'd already proven everything you needed to prove to be a top five pick. That is a fact. All these players can shut it down before March Madness. They don't want to. The whole point is to get and try and win. So yeah. now we're just now we're basically dry, eliminating all competitiveness, and it's just to get to the league, and that's it. Yeah. Which, uh, listen, I know that is the fine. That should be everybody's goal. Of course, that's the goal. Get there. But college is so much more than just like this kind of like weird training thing. Like I know the one and done rule has kind of created this environment. Yeah. It's going away. It's going to go away in 2020. So just breathe one more year. Yeah. And now everyone can, and then there's nothing. If you chose to go to the college, you chose, right? Like that's it. So this will all go away soon. But I think Gary Parrish is spot on. I mean, if you wanted to shut it down, you easily could have. You can't now claim, well, I had something to prove. Who are you to tell Zion he doesn't have something to prove? Yeah. Why? Because he didn't go to Oklahoma? No, no, so if he, so, totally so, right. yeah. so Zion, if he went to Clemson, he should keep playing. But because he went to Duke, he shouldn't. What do you mean? It's, it's. I think it's, it's an argument, and so many people, especially, I mean, people are talking out of all sides of their mouth and, and fair away and spinning this, and even the, and we. This is even beside the point. The topic of, I think that players should get. Um, should be able to benefit off their likeness. We think there should be a, an element of players getting paid, and everyone's spending everything. It's like, oh, well, the tickets on StubHub were $3,000. That has nothing to do yeah. with Duke or the NCAA or anybody exploiting college athletes. Yeah. So, like, now people are taking these arguments and just trying to spin into a narrative. If the guy, if the kid wants to play and he wants to compete and he wants to do it, let him compete. Like it's on him. Like whatever, yeah. it's gonna make him happy. If he wants to sit, he had the choice to sit. He had the choice to go to Europe. He had the choice to go to G League. He chose to go to Duke. He chose to play with these players for Coach K and be in this. And it's his decision the rest of the way. And he shouldn't be faulted either way. And I mean, what he's got an eight million dollar insurance policy if he slips either way. Not saying that's gonna make up like a, a, a career or whatever if something bad did happen. But like. I just think people are just so 
they're focused on only one aspect of it. And even DeMarcus Cousins, like, yo, man, you got John Calipari in your phone anytime you want. That's not that's not a reason enough to go. Yeah. To just have him as a resource for life? For the rest of your life, you yep. can call John Calipari and say, Coach, I need something. Your, your life's done. You're set up. It's over. You're done. Imagine having Coach K or Calipari or Bayheim or any of these dudes. Kentucky, on your, are you kidding? Kentucky, arguably, the one, that's probably the strongest fan base in college sports. Probably. And he's going to be known, at, he and John Wall and Bledsoe, Daniel Warren, that class was As that original. Off. They the were the original, original Kentucky class. Yep. And you'll no matter what... If say uh, his his injury, Demarcus Cousins never played another NBA game himself. He'll always have always the, he'll have the Kentucky background. You want to go coach? That. Cal Parry will hire. Some you. people it means more to than others. Like obviously now he's had success in the NBA. He cares about the money. He cares about winning at that level. But dude, I guarantee when he's retired, when he's like fifty and out of the league, and he's got looking for stuff to do, yep. when he shows up, when help. he shows up in Lexington too. And he walks out in the and court, love and him. the fans just go nuts. Yeah, that's man. gonna mean something to him. No matter, how I get the NCAA. Yeah, it's again, not, perfect. not yes, not I taking away not the perfect. fact that you should be compensated for your stuff. But we can't fix that right now. So we're just talking about the part that we can exactly. talk about. Exactly. All right. Last thing I'll touch yes. on Duke though. Outside playing without Zion. Ugh. Rowan Barrett. I'm calling him Rowan from 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 here on out, just Ugh. because I just like to troll that way. Um, sure, but probably, and this maybe this is me being a, a dick. Probably the most meaningless 33 and 13 I've ever seen in my life. Um, I just didn't get the. I just felt like Duke. I don't know if I'm not were, ready I don't know to if they make were deflated. Him no, 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 they were. They were. I don't they know were if they shook. were de- deflated, they shook, were but like they look. I just I. And obviously, when you look at it on paper, it's like, all right, well, Duke's still more talented and better than Carolina is. But it it scared me a little bit just because yep. not saying – say Zion's completely healthy. Say a team in the tournament, he gets two quick fouls, and you're playing with that lineup. Are you going to be shook then? Yeah. Like, that's the I, only what, thing that scares me. I think they're obviously the best team that with at full strength with uh, Zion. But – He makes them go, man. He makes them go. And and defensively and rebounding, holy God, did Duke feel it. I mean, mm-hmm. they got uh, – they, the they didn't get any offensive rebounds. They got crushed on the defensive glass. They got no blocks, nothing. I mean, Zion And Kobe makes, White did not play well. And no, that's, I will and that's say, Trey Jones, the biggest difference between him and his brother is Trey just can flat out cannot shoot the ball. And Tyus can. He was just unbelievable from three. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference in him. But Trey is a better defender. Trey easy. locked Colby up. Easy, man. Locked Trey, him up. Yeah. I mean, he should be player of the, defensive player of the year. He's unbelievable on the ball. No, no doubt. But... They all struggle. Jack White is over his last twenty-seven, I believe, from three. I mean, it's it's disgusting. Um, so, enough about that. Duke lost. I'll see you in we'll two weeks. On. That's why you play. You know, two uh, two of those games at the uh, wine and cheese crowd in Dean Dome. Which, if as long as Zion's back, you know, we're projecting a win. Um, a little bit of a not a little, a lot. Uh, super sad note. You know, crazy news out of Syracuse. Jim Beheim. On his way home from uh, beating Louisville, I was had like, to. I did such a double take reading this headline today. I know. I was like, "Wait, what'd you say?" I, I heard it at work, and um, so he driving home, and you know, obviously it was an accident, and uh, ended up hitting a, a pedestrian out of the car on. Uh, I think it's Interstate six ninety up there, um, and ended right up after the person the, it was ended like up. Dying, the game, right, it was like yeah, it was like eleven, eleven thirty. I'm pretty sure they said he was with his he wife. I watched the game. Ran, went, was going back. Yeah, and went home and. Um, 
you know, obviously there was uh, all the stuff, all the details have come out. There's no alcohol involved. He was just trying to get away. Now there, he came out with a statement basically saying, I, I did try to miss him and I couldn't. I think I saw it was I, like he tried to miss the accident yeah, and by missing and the accident. The person was out of the car. He was out of and the car hit, yeah. and hit them. So it's truly just, tra- really sad, tragic story. Yeah, horrible. And just right in the, I mean... You don't really know what to say. I mean, everyone is kind of speculating, like, what's going to happen? Does he have to step down? Will he coach anymore? And it's like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, if if I think it's, it's truly an accident, it's like, what can you do? Yeah, and I know um, he didn't – he didn't – he obviously didn't practice with the team today, which yeah, I, I saw totally that. understand. Like, if you are – if this type That's of situation – is like, like you, Someone's life is gone, and obviously yeah. whether it's – it wasn't – doesn't seem like it was negligence. It doesn't – obviously it was not intentional – um, no matter what, that's going to shake you. That's going to shake, yeah. And obviously, they, they've they got a huge game coming up on Saturday against Duke. Um, they've beaten once. I, I Jim Jim Beheim, obviously, legend in the coaching game. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't coach just because that I don't know what it's like to be in that type of, of a, an emotional state. Um, but I also wouldn't – I know they pulled college game day away. I saw that on my way home. They pulled didn't college game day from it, um, which is mm. tough. But – that's weighing it as a team and and being for it, it is tough. I don't think you should step down. I don't think anything like that. Um, but it is an interesting. I say dynamics, not the right word to say, but to be careful with. I mean, because that's I, I can't imagine going through something that emotional and that stressful in your head while also trying to coach a team into the NCAA tournament and doing all these things and and. Um, but obviously, your heart's condolences go out to yeah, family. The family, that, that is that is. As bad incredibly as it gets. tough, um, and, and and so um, obviously hope for for the best out of, out of that situation. Yeah, um, moving on the opposite end of the spectrum, probably the most this one of the wildest, most silliest uh, endings. endings to a game you'll ever see. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get your opinion on this. So Georgia's playing Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State is at the line. There's 0.5 seconds left. The game is tied, 67-67. Mississippi State is about to shoot uh, two free throws. Mississippi State player misses the first. All right, so now he's kind of like, you think like, oh, man, he's in his head. If he missed the first, like hopefully he misses the second, whatever. As he's shooting, somebody throws what I believe is like a little stuffed animal. It's like a teddy bear or something onto the court. Now, the refs did issue a technical. So now the guy's got two free throws. Like, he feels a little bit more comfortable. All you got to do is make one. The game's over. Um, so it, it drastic. Now, I mean, it's kind of it, – it's I, it goes both ways. Like did it's, he miss? It's, yeah. It's clear that it, it lost you the game. But also, if you didn't do it, would he have made the free throw anyway? And yeah. then you lost the game regardless. Like, it, obviously, we will never know that. Um, but – if both coaches, Green, both coaches had different true. takes. Both yeah. Tom Crean said, "I've never seen them give a technical without a warning." And then uh, Ben Howen was like, j- just screaming for it, like, "It's a technical! It's a technical! It's got to be a technical!" But I, I would be, I would have said the same exact thing if I was the coach of each individual team. So I don't know the yeah. right answer. Do you give a tech automatically? Like, what is the rule? If I'm Tom Crean, I, if that's a, I'm student, losing it. I, that's what I want to know. Is what did that come from? Was the student section side? Had to be. It had, had to be. be. If I'm Tom Crean, I'm and, and I, I not to talk down about. I know Tom Crean's got a little quirkiness to him. Yeah, I'm walking through every damn dorm of the University of Georgia's campus, he, knocking well, on every. He went did to you the, throw that? He went bear? to the microphone. Did you throw that teddy bear? Did and, you throw that teddy bear? And I can actually, and it's something I honestly can see him doing. Like I can, that's, that's I believe it. That's that's Tom Crean in a nutshell. Because I think this 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 is gonna like haunt him through the rest of the off season. Um, but yeah. random twist to this. Um, Ironic question. Someone asked me to say, "What if that was thrown 
What if it was thrown by someone that wasn't a Georgia fan? What if it was a Mississippi State fan? How do you control? And I've always thought this, this is one of those random thoughts. Maybe it's when I'm like driving these like seven hour drives back to yeah. Virginia and I have random things going through my head. I'm thinking like, oh, what if this happened in a game? What if it was like a, the other team that did it, but it gets pinned as a penalty on like Jordan? So if, what if it was a Mississippi? Oh, so I took what if, it's, to what if a Mississippi chance? State fan threw like even I don't know, a teddy bear? Just We're even just enough. did anything, blew an air horn, whatever it may be. Um, to essentially pose, what if that happened there? Are they is Georgia responsible for every person in the crowd, even if they're not? I know it is tough. And is the referee's job to you, investigate? I get who it. it was? Yeah. How do you know who threw it? That might I be a know. genius. Plan. I think. I think basically you just you blame it on the home crowd. I think. Yeah. I right? think it's like, more so. It's their fault. That was the question was asked me. I think it's more so. It's Georgia's the home team's job to control the to, crowd. Yeah. And it's crowd. on almost the athletic department more so of not controlling it than it is on the individual fan itself whoever it may be so um tough situation for georgia i mean they've been struggling but they also i think since our last episode picked up the number one kid in the country and anthony edwards who reclassified so um interesting uh interesting uh pick up there yeah and uh with that last thing before getting to um to to our interview with eric harper uh from duquesne Nevada Wolfpack. Shout out to my colleague. She <laughs> gives me all the crap in the world for not mentioning her. Tatum. You're Tatum, Nevada, I still brought up this topic ne- today. I know. Too, we so. talk, Nevada Wolfpack stinks. They stink. All right. They're going to lose in the second round. They lose, Nevada loses to San Diego State 65 to 57 yesterday. I'm done with Nevada. I'm done. So this is my thing. I'm done. I'm out on Nevada. So Cancel my question, Nevada. They're consul- we talked. We talked when we were in text today. So what do you want to talk about? I said, how do you, I want to talk about how do you evaluate Nevada as a tournament seat in their seating when they have when the number the top thing they're eleventh I think in the net rankings they're twenty they fell to twentieth in Ken Palm so they're obviously Make a top sure you tell about the they're top, a top, the top team tier. yeah but as we've seen from last year from over, when they changed the tiers when they even mm-hmm. did their like initial bracket with the top sixteen teams recently. The number one thing that became apparent is tier one wins. Is tier one wins, quality wins. That's why Virginia, that's why Duke, these teams that schedule hard, that play in tough conferences, they get the most, they get the best seats. The number one thing is tier one wins. The only thing, I think Nevada's a good team. I don't think, I think for me, in my mind, they're a four seed. I think that's kind of what I see them as. But they have zero tier one wins. Zero, Tatum, zero. They have zero tier one wins. And they have two tier three losses by 17 points and by eight points. Now, both on the road. So, uh, but it's just so hard for me. If I'm on the selection, I'm putting myself in the shoes of selection committee. When they're going to have to answer questions on, say, hey, why did Tennessee get a one over Kentucky? Or why did uh, this team get this seat or that? And they're like, oh, well, their schedule, their tier one wins, their two one wins. And immediately, if I'm the team that got screwed in that, I'm going to say, well, then Nevada had zero tier one. They don't have yeah. – I think Utah State, they have an opportunity for a tier one win. Utah State is top 50. They play on the road, so they have that opportunity for that win. Um, but as of like right now, as of right now, there's no – like that's their, their best win is Utah State at home. Yeah, and I, I don't want to hear the, the, the argument, well, you can't control your conference. So schedule a good non-conference and get Their your best tier one wins. And I give them credit. They played USC away. They played Arizona State on a neutral site. Arizona State's a bubble team. USC's not getting in. Um, I mean, Grand Canyon's not terrible. South Dakota State's probably a tournament team. South Dakota State might be the best team they've played. 
Yeah, I, I'm, like, I'm out. So I, they're seeing maybe four or five. Here's the real question. They're number six in the country right now. With that loss, where do they drop? I'm saying like they, they, the the committee – or not the committee, but the voters could be disrespectful. The last they could drop them like 15. The wildest part, and it shows like how there's – I don't think there's any full right way to evaluate seeds and whatnot. We say what it was the last – six last seven years, the national champion has come from a top – a team that was a top 20 defense and a top 20 offense. Yep. Right now there are three teams, Duke, Virginia, Michigan, Michigan State. They're in hey. top 20 at both. Nevada's 27th in offense and 23rd in defense. So they're not they're far close. off that. They're, they're close. N- they're, All right. The numbers say they're there from those. But yeah, the, the quality wins. Like but aren't. if you say our seeding is based off like the quality wins and beating good teams and scheduling teams on the road and you don't have anything, it's, tough to, it's tough to make an argument. And I think it more so speaks, I would say not necessarily Nevada, but just, all right, like what about the situation where a team's really, really, really good even Gonzaga, to some extent, like Gonzaga scheduled yeah, a yeah. really hard non-conference. Yeah, they played Tennessee, they played Duke, even played Arizona, Washington. Like they've played tough teams. Yep. Conference isn't as good. Um, no one's questioning really that because they have their 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 wins. But um, no, it's it's uh, it's definitely it's an interesting predicament. And uh, as we get closer to uh, to selection Sunday, we'll. We'll obviously see more, but uh, without further ado, um, awesome, awesome interview here. Eric Harper, Director of Player Development, Video Coordinator at Duquesne, um, formerly of Milwaukee Bucks and the Akron Zips. Um, so we will kick it to our conversation here with Eric. All right, we are now joined by Duquesne uh, Men's Basketball Director of Player Development and Video Coordinator, Eric Harper. Uh, Eric, how's it going tonight, man? I'm doing good tonight, man. How you doing, Ian? Doing well, do, doing well. Um, for for those who don't know, Eric and I go back um, as managers, as staff members of the the Akron, Ohio days. Um, but for for people that kind of uh, don't know, give us a little bit about about your background, how you ended up at, at Duquesne, uh, kind of some of the little bit of the stops along the way, and um, and kind of your journey through your your coaching career so far. Yeah, man. So I uh, <clears throat> I started as an undergrad manager at the University of Akron under uh, Coach Dambrot. Um, I did uh, four years as a manager there. I did uh, two years as a grad assistant for him there as well. Um, right at the end of my grad assistantship, uh, after the season, he actually took the Duquesne job here, uh, hired me on immediately, pretty much literally the next day <laughs> as he <laughs> took it, uh, hired me as the video guy. And then uh, I kind of was just kind of already in that mode as I was getting um, towards the end of my GA uh, GA job with him. So I was kind of already kind of like shopping around, looking for jobs and stuff, and uh, kind of just took the summer, went to the NBA Summer League in Vegas, and just kind of stayed in touch with some people and uh, really wasn't expecting anything to come of it because I wasn't really hunting too much, just kind of just trying to meet and just meet and greet and just be, you know, be normal. And uh, I got a call about mid-September of uh, 2017 and uh, from uh, the head video guy from Milwaukee who I had met with uh, previously at the summer at summer league and he was they were looking for a guy the assistant video guy in their in their video room and uh, somebody had dropped out and I was like pretty much interviewed the next day over the phone with him and uh, so I ended up out there uh, for the 17 i guess it would have been 18 yeah 17 18 season last year and uh stayed there the whole year as an assistant video coordinator and then uh after the season just kind of reevaluated everything and decided to move back this way and uh coach dan brought off me uh 
very similar role with a couple other things. Like I said, like I was just a video coordinator before. Now I'm video coordinator and director of player development here. So uh, a little bit of more expanded role, and I've uh, been enjoying it, enjoying, enjoying being back with uh, people I'm familiar with and a good up and coming program in uh, in the city of Pittsburgh. So definitely, definitely. And Eric, I, what's what's the biggest difference between an NBA video coordinator and a college video coordinator? So the biggest difference for me is that there's just I mean this is pretty obvious. There's just so many more games. Um, you know, like this, you could describe conference season as like a very, you know, as like the busiest time of the year for anybody, for coaches, you know, assistant coaches, dobos, video guys, right? Yeah. GAs. Uh, like honestly, like I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say it's like it's a breeze, but like compared to like NBA grind, like, I mean, NBA video guys are on like a true grind. And yep. I, that, that is a, that's a, a, a loosely thrown around term, but it's true. Like. You're doing, you know, you're doing practice. You're there early. You're helping coaches with, with scouting reports. You know, you're playing four games a week, pretty much. What's yeah. like your so, day? What was like the day to day? Let's say you had a, you you have a game tomorrow, and you're in, you're an NBA video coordinator. What's your what's your uh, day before look like, and then your game day look like? Day before, you know, probably we would practice probably around ten ten thirty, uh, so not too early. We probably get there about maybe about seven seven fifteen seven thirty. Right in that range. Paul's already, um, that shaking. Paul's already shaking his head on that one. <laughs> I was like, not too early. I was expecting like nine, not seven. Oh, no. Yeah, that seven, seven's late even. I'm getting in earlier than that here. So. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, you know, some younger guys would come in. I would, I would work on anything miscellaneous that I had to finish up, you know, just any odds and ends, maybe an edit or two or a game I didn't finish that I didn't need to finish the night before. Uh, young guys would come in. If you guys aren't getting as many minutes, we'll come in before uh, practice and get some shots up, um, you know, and then just kind of aid with practice, whether, you know, you know how the NBA is. They don't really have too many practices, yep. you know, full go practice during the season. So, you know, just aid with that, honestly, just rebound or, or set screens or come off screens. I mean, stuff you stuff you think you do uh, after practice. I mean, a lot of guys are getting individual work in directly after practice. So just, you know, again, same thing, rebound, pass, set screens, come off screen, you know, any any of that stuff, whatever they want to work on, it's kind of their their discretion or assistant coach's discretion. Um, other than that, really the afternoon, usually like it just anything that came up with any assistance that would need help maybe. Other than that, you kind of have some time to yourself as, as the video guys kind of took the afternoon to, like I said, just tie up any loose ends or, or you know, take some time themselves. And, and then, but at night you were you, normally, you know, you had a, we had a schedule built out for the whole season uh scouting schedule so like you kind of you knew what games you're doing every night so i could i could you know prep for that game a little bit and uh you know let's say i was doing a uh i don't know a, a Sixers celtics game you know the night before uh like you're saying like the day before a game of ours like a home game so i'd pretty much just be hunkered down either most likely at the facility in my office and just kind of just watching the game on tv uh downloading each quarter and just kind of coding away and then you know we uh, we did a lot. We were did a lot with play calls too. So we put a lot of play calls in. Um, so it was pretty extensive. Like if the game was at seven, you know, I'd be pretty much locked in from about six thirty to about I don't know, probably about ten thirty. Yeah. So. Not and then game day would would kind of roll in about the same thing. Getting young guys come in, shoot around was pretty relaxed, you know. And then game day is pretty much like you got you got a lot of time to yourself in the afternoon. Kind of get there, you know, help guys rebound and stuff when they get to the arena. And then uh, during the games. It was pretty much just either like uh, 
coding games you had on your schedule or uh, honestly just really just watching our game and helping put together a halftime edit from your know, clips that coaches on the bench wanted. Uh, and that's pretty much it, really. No, that, that makes sense. And I, and I think if you would ask even just a general NBA fan, I'd probably say, I mean, this year especially – I would say one of the most improved teams, one of the most teams where guys are really developing the faster. You look at Giannis, you look at Malcolm Brogdon and Middleton, guys really taking that leap. What did you, I mean, obviously from that last year being with them, what did you notice, whether it's their work ethic, whether it's just the things they're working on that really kind of set them apart to, to be successful and, and, and keep, uh, keep rising here in the NBA? You know, I think, I think, an answer for that is kind of each one of those guys, those guys specifically is all kind of separate. You know, Giannis clearly, you know, is a superstar, you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel here, but he is very meticulous and very prepared as, you know, as seen, you know, it's noted publicly that he's very, very committed to his craft. He doesn't really care about much else. Um, He's, he's there before he's getting extra and he's pretty much doing anything he can do to get better. You know, he's not, I would describe it as he's not pushing himself and what I mean by that is he's not, like, doing too much. Yeah. He's not, like, lifting heavy weights or, like, getting so many shots up that his arms are going to hurt, you know what I mean, before a game. He's doing everything he can to still then be fresh mentally and physically for the game, whether that's getting getting in just very light lifting before practice or and then watching film after practice instead of shooting and maybe coming back later and shooting and getting treatment later and getting massage. So he's doing everything he can to improve – all while keeping him keeping himself fresh. And I would say, you know, for Chris and Malcolm, very similar guys and kind of quiet behind the scenes guys that don't really say a whole lot, but but absolutely put the work in. And Chris is a guy who doesn't, like I said, doesn't say a whole lot, but is somebody who, as no question, gets the work in and, and, and is dedicated to his craft as well. But with Malcolm, I spent some time with Malcolm while he was hurt last year with a, with a quad injury. Uh, spent a lot of time with him one on one. Actually, he's very he is, is he has a very high IQ, and a lot of the guys at that level do. But he has a very high IQ for like what he knows he's good at, and what he knows he's not good at, what he knows he should stay like within his realm. So, so it's like a different answer for all three of those guys. No, definitely, and, and I think that makes a ton of sense. And taking it back, or actually take it to the to the present time. I mean, being at Duquesne, being back with with Coach Dambrot you know, on the college side of things. Obviously, I, I don't think it's any an understatement to say um, programs really heading obviously in the right direction already at, at 17 wins so far for, for the year um, program that at least historically in recent history before Dan, coach Danbrot took over has has had its struggle it's been a tough league um, obviously a 10 is I think one of the more respected leagues uh, in the country what has it been like being back with with coach Danbrot and being a program where you guys are, are kind of hitting the reset button almost and, 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 and going from there. You know, Ian, it's a lot different from the Akron days because it's the same people. I was going to say. Pretty I, much. <laughs> it, but it's a completely different uh, environment because, like, at Akron, like, we knew, we pretty much knew we were going to be good. Yeah. And it was like, they, you know, game in, game out, it was pretty much like, you know, to be honest with you, we'd like go to Bowling Green, and I was like, "There's no way we lose. I don't see how we lose." <laughs> yep. <laughs> but like, I always felt that way about Bowling Green. Always. <laughs> I was always just mad that we were there. Like, why the heck do we have yeah, to go right. here and play these dudes? Right. Right. So it's a lot different for me being my first year in A10 of like 
honestly, man, like even the teams at the bottom, like Fordham or UMass, like uh, other teams at the bottom, it's like, dude, I don't even like, are we going to win? Like we're favored, but are we going to win? Like they still got good players. That's the good, that's a, like, I'm not saying every team in the Mac didn't have good players, Yeah. but like every team in the A-10 like truly has like a couple dudes. Like, no doubt. Like really like it has a couple dudes on our team. Like, like we just played LaSalle the other day. Now they're in the middle of the pack right now. Started slow. Like Pookie Powell's a good player. Yeah, <laughs> he's no, good. they're legit. Like, He's, he's a real player. So, like, that's a big difference for me is, like, we were so good, and now it's kind of, like, roles reversed. Like, we're trying to, like, kind of come up from, like, the bottom, and, like, no one respects us. So, and that's kind of get a big chip on everybody's shoulder here. All right, man. So I got to come clean. Um, I do. I don't know if Ian told you at all. I didn't. This but, is coming. Clean. Okay. This is coming so this is this is uh, brand new. But um, I do have a four-year bet uh, with my college roommate uh, on you guys. And I want to preface prior to explaining the bet that not in since 1981. Since 1981, Duquesne has won 20 games one time. Since 1981, they have won 20 games. One time. So I did my research. I thought I was very smart in this. And I understand how hard it is to turn around a program. So I'm like, look, man, what my friend was pitching, I was like, dude, it's not going to be that easy. Like, the A-10 is no joke. Duquesne struggles. It's going to take longer than you think. So here's the bet. It was a four-year bet. In year one, it was, and this is with my buddy Taylor, and he, he was betting that they were, you guys were going to win 15 games. I said no. I already lost. It's $60 per year, by the way. So I'm already down $60. Uh, year two was 18 wins. So unfortunately, Eric, I'm going to need you to lose out, my man. All right? I'm going to need you to lose out. No, I'm just kidding. But 18 wins is year two. Year three is an NCAA tourney bid. And year four is the A-10 conference champs. So there's still work to do. But you guys are, you guys are trending in the wrong direction for my bet, but in the right direction for where you guys want to go. Um... I don't even have a question for that. I just wanted to get your. Th- I mean, did you guys think you'd win 16 games in year one? Like, that's wild, man. That's wild. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I got two things to say. I'll answer your question. The first thing I have to say is that is a very extensive bet. It's a very extensive oh, bet. It's a I very believe. detailed bet. I it's can't a, believe that. Uh, I, I got guys I bet with, too, but that is, that is, that is, that is detailed. I've never had a four year bet ever, so this is my first one. Oh, no. Uh, to answer your question, um, and you and you guys know Co- Coach Dambrot, you know, outside looking in a little bit and, and competing against him, he has very high expectations for not only himself but everyone that he. Yeah, that dude is a beast. His organization. He's, he's super legit. So again, I wasn't there completely the whole full season last year, obviously, and I would say, did you know, your question is, did they think they'd win sixteen? Um, being around since June now, he was disappointed with 16. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> All right. You know what I mean? I think he's realistic in knowing to an extent, yeah. but he doesn't let everybody really know that. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean you, guys are, you guys are already on to 17. You got six games left, I believe. Five, does it? Five regular season and five and ten tourney up here in Brooklyn, which we're going to have to come catch Yeah, you, yeah, sure. yeah. We got to yeah. come catch you in, the, in, yeah, in Brooklyn, which would be great. Um, yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, you guys. It's and it's a young. It's such a young team. I mean, looking at Kim Palm. I mean, the top. Uh, all it's freshman, sophomore, 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 sophomore. I mean, how has that been? I guess that's got to be a unique. I want to say challenge or thing in itself because 
I felt like at Akron, whenever we went up against you guys, there, yeah, you had some young guys, and but there was always, there was always, I felt like a veteran presence, whether it was a um, a, a Zeke Marshall, whether uh, it was a, a Quincy Diggs, any type of guys, you had a veteran presence. With this, has it been a little bit different when with a roster that's primarily been con, getting made um, up of, of young guys? Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot. It's I'll tell you what, it's been a lot different for me because, again, coming from experienced teams like that, and then I went to, to the pros with full-blown adults, <laughs> and then I've come to this where it, it's been a full circle of, like, uh, of that kind of, of that stuff, and it's like we are kind of, like you said, like lacking a little bit of leadership in, in a sense of, like, I think that helped us win a couple of close games we haven't, but we've also kind of, honestly overachieved probably a little yeah i mean just with the roster and and the roster turnover i mean there's we only have one guy on our team from last year it's wild and i think yeah, that if anything yeah. that just attributes to i mean how great of a coach uh keith and coach and dan brothers and, and recruiting and bringing these guys in because i mean yeah. you see guys you see the guys that are on the hot seat now that they've been at a school five four or five years where it's all right. Well, year one, year two. All right, they were getting their own guys in. Um, now they're kind. Of, now they're getting their swing, and now they're but they they haven't gotten it done. It's the hot seat. Whereas Coach Dambrot's come in and it's one with the guys that that basically were there in year one, and now it's kind of expanding on that with even a, a new crew. So I, I I have so much respect for for what you guys have been able to do even already. No, definitely. Like I said, it's been uh, it's been interesting because a lot of those guys are, are transfers too. Like most of those sophomores are transfers. Yeah, we had two guys from Akron. We got a guy from Missouri. A guy from Miami of Ohio. They're all transfers, and then the rest of you know the other sophomores. The only guy we have back, and then the freshman point guard who has, has played very well this season. So, and that's kind of like the nucleus of our team. So, yeah. you know, with with all those guys coming back, and we have a we have a, um, a, a small recruiting recruiting class of, of only one guy, but a probably the biggest recruit Duquesne's gotten in I don't know how long. I didn't know yeah. anything about Duquesne before I got here. But, uh, <laughs> Maceo Austin from uh, Kennedy Catholic. Awesome. Um, out of Sharon, PA. He's probably the, the – he was like a – I think he's a three- or four-star recruit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so a good recruiting class coming in with the guys returning. And then, you know, you round out the roster and go at it again. That's awesome. And I know last year I was there on Duquesne, with, I know one of the big things that's come up with – new facilities and, and obviously putting a true investment into the program from them, whether it's bringing in coach Dambra and then obviously upgrading facilities. How has that kind of played a part and maybe your day to day and then also the recruiting side and just the program as a whole, having uh, the new upgrade facilities coming. Yeah. I mean, from, from my day to day standpoint, I mean, I, it's definitely a, a higher level, you know, run at a higher level than I would even say from like an accurate standpoint of like, you know, we chart we, we charter flight everywhere. We get we get fed every day, multiple times a day. You, you guys I mean? charter gear, every trip. Is better. Yeah, we charter. I mean, anything like like we, we'll bus tomorrow to George Mason, which is like four hours. Anything over four yeah, hours yeah. Of flight. Wow. Anytime, anytime we fly, it's charter. Wow, good for so you like guys. So like Akron, like we only chartered like once a year, maybe. Yeah. And it was like because the one donor like wanted to donate the money, yeah. and, and we did it one time a year. Yeah, wow. I mean, you know, even Ohio, yeah, we would go Once. like Buffalo, and even that changed. I think when Christian came in, like maybe and sometimes it was like a one a ball, way, a ball state, yeah, a <laughs> yeah. ball, a ball yeah, state or NIU. Yeah, I've been a part of the one way. Before. The one yeah, ways are brutal. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, don't don't even do the don't don't tease us with this. You know, either yeah. do it or don't. Right. Yeah. yeah so 
day to day, I said, that's probably it. And then, you know, for recruiting wise, you know, you're just showing a commitment to, to winning. I yeah. mean, our athletic director, uh, Dave Harper has been unbelievable. He's unbelievable day to day and showing his commitment to not only the university as a whole as athletics department, but specifically men's basketball and just supporting us in our decisions. And I wouldn't say blind faith because he's very, very heavily involved with our program. But again, I use the word blind faith in us and in giving a, in giving Coach Dambrod and the staff the trust that that they that we need to make decisions on a daily basis. So again, he and then the rest of the administration have been have been great with not only being innovative with with the uh, upgrades, but also giving us free reign to you know not, you know free reign to, to run our program. No doubt. That's awesome, man. Um, we got one last question for you, and you got to be Taking dead. It you back. Ha- you yeah. have to be honest, and I will okay. be honest first because it's actually not you guys. Um, but who did you absolutely despise playing in the MAC more than anybody? And it doesn't necessarily need to be like rivalry or whatever. Just who did you hate playing? I hated playing Kent State more than anything. Like if we lost to Akron, like we went home, like all right, you know that's that's okay, like. It's 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 not supposed to happen. You're never ever supposed, but like losing to Akron's never a bad thing. I have a different take. Losing on to Kent State, I hated it. I hated <laughs> the fans. I hated everybody. I hated going up there. I couldn't take it. I like it, it bothered me to my. So it, it's a very close tie between Miami and Kent State for me. But what is what? Is, and it can be Ohio. It's okay if it's Ohio. But what is your answer I have for that? Two things to say. Did uh, super fan ever annoy you? Oh my there? gosh, the Kent State lady that just that shrieked. Oh god, yeah, yeah. super fan. That's what they call her there. Yeah, just awful. I mean, that's <laughs> uh, you know. Is, I feel bad, but she's the worst. <laughs> she's the worst, man. My answer, honestly, you guys are gonna be mad at me. My answer is Ohio. I know. Wow. So because really? my because my answer is Akron. So uh, Paul's yeah, a little yeah. removed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. I I'm, I my left. Ohio. Yeah. All right. Wow. So and I was going to lead that into that. I said of because we obviously, I mean, the the years that we were there and you were there, obviously a couple more than me with as being a GA, there were some absolute battles. I mean, from oh, yeah. being I, up in the jar, whether it's in the convo, whether it's shoot, even the the MAC tournament. I mean, back to back like mm-hmm. championship games, we just split. Yep. And I think I, if people that don't know or keep up with the MAC. My four years, I remember going in. We pl- ended up playing you guys not in the championship, but 2014. Um, I guess it was maybe Matt Quarters. Yeah, it was Matt Quarters. And going into that game, at least me personally in our class was I think we were tied at like six and six or seven and seven with you guys. And then you guys beat us and got the upper hand. So Akron's got Akron got me. That was just because of how intense some of those games were, and obviously multiple MAC championships. For me, you guys were always the rivalry, and I'm sure. I mean, from you guys, it's it's probably goes the the same way. I mean, yeah, a lot of people viewed Kent as kind of the rivalry because it's so close. But mm-hmm. to be honest, man, uh, the games with them were really competitive. Yep. But the games were with with us with OU and Akron was there was always felt like there's something like very very important on the line. Like we went there Seriously? one year and we were like that was the year we were like had won like 19 in a row. We were like 24th in the country. Yep. yep. And y'all y'all packed the place and there's you know fans everywhere students are there early they're yelling stuff about every player every staff <laughs> member you know what i mean like it was just there's always something on the line games are constantly going to overtime like i said we played back-to-back championship games i mean it was always something like on the line 
between OU and Akron like every time. Like, it's crazy. No, I know. We, we're looking at it now, and this is co- probably why I don't say Akron, but there was a four-year stretch where the MAC championship in 2010 was Ohio-Akron, 11, Akron-Kent State, 2012, Ohio-Akron, 2013, Ohio-Akron. So, like, it's real. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a four-year exactly. stretch there where it was an yeah. expectation for, you yeah. know, uh, us and you to meet. Um, you know, you guys have certainly been there much more in uh, recent years, which... Uh, more we so, don't yeah. want to talk about yeah we're going to stray away from that topic because that's what's it's, it's another uh, combo that's another combo for another day but it's it is wild i mean and thinking back and obviously with it even coming full circle with coach gross being at akron now it's it's pretty yeah. wild but um yeah i mean if, for those that don't know or if there's a word on I mean, they're absolute absolute battles and i mean i Obviously, with you and Mike and some of the other guys getting to know you oh, as yeah. even playing managers, it was it was awesome to to build that because from from the outside, I and I know there was whether it was DJ Cooper and and one of, maybe one of your guys, there was probably no love lost, but at least <laughs> I had, like, got to know you guys that um, yeah. we we were good. So I mean, what I think I think Ohio Akron and obviously you can throw Kent in there. I think those year in and year out should be the top programs in the MAC, and it's we're as Bobcats we're struggling. We're gonna have to struggle to get back up there, but um, I mean, you guys had built something that was was really special, and it's obviously showing. And I mean, basically taking the whole staff over to, to Duquesne, it's it's uh, it's rolling right along. So, yeah, man. Congrats. You know, another another part of it for me was why it was OU is that we you know we never even played. I never played Kent State one time in a manager game. Hey, that's oh, hey, there you go. see, yeah. There's deep, yeah. There's deep stuff there. And we had this stuff. We played. We played every time. We played every at OU at Act. We played every single time. No matter <laughs> who played, didn't matter who played. We just we played every time. I tell you what, right. I was there six years. I never played Kent State one time. That's a man. They're shying away. And I tell you, I don't know if the managers at Ohio can can play anymore. But I got to give a. I mean, we we we, we had uh, whether it was my, my guy Mike Coon, whether it was even some of our. Or Donner, Donner, no, nah, Donner, Donner didn't go. No, we didn't start till till a little bit later. So I knew when he got. But okay. um, I mean, we uh, we we definitely whether I know I think it was I mean, yeah one of my years it was the first year we did it. Uh, I mean, I think it was in, in the combo, and then they've kind of carried it on. So it was a yeah. nice uh, a nice little healthy rivalry, and and yeah. um, it, it it was fun for sure. And and um, but I I appreciate you coming on, man. I know we, we've kept you here, and you guys. Um, obviously, down the stretch, you, you've got some some big games coming up. Going at at Mason Saturday, um, and at St. Bonnie's Wednesday, and then um, and obviously a huge home game. Your life for I guess senior night there uh, um, against against Dayton, and then hopefully we'll see you up here in in, in Brooklyn. I'll, I'll definitely hit you up, and we'll try and uh, come catch you guys in the A10 tournament. But appreciate you coming on, man. Um, good luck the the rest of the way, and and uh, and. Uh, We'll be uh, we'll be keeping an eye out and cheering for you guys and hoping Paul. I'm gonna be hoping Paul loses his bet. <laughs> well, thanks guys, thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, let me know if you guys want to come through in Brooklyn and uh, we'll get together. Appreciate awesome it, man. man. Good thanks, luck the rest Eric. of the way. All right, man. Thanks. Big shout out to Eric Harper for coming on the pod tonight. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Good luck to Duquesne, kind of, I guess. Uh, obviously, I'm on board with the Dukes. <laughs> I'm on board with the Dukes. I like it. Here's a question for all the listeners Can you spell Duquesne without Googling it? Because I struggle with it uh, to this day. It's uh, an Ohio education. Yeah, that's it. Uh, again, big shout out to Eric. Um, tune in next week for episode 37. Try and get another guest on here. Uh, but until then, keep the ball bouncing deuces lately 
I've been feeling like this what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, then tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pulls, lust, rust, souls up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.